0: My name is Jacob Stoops.
1: And I'm Jeff Luella.
0: And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast.
1: This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry.
0: We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this episode, we talk with Luke Davis, SEO executive at Adzuma. We discuss growing up in the UK, moving to the US, and the culture shock that ensued growing up using computers and the internet and how that experience pushed him to learn HTML and CSS on his own, how blogging eventually led him to a career in digital marketing and how that eventually led him to SEO. We also discussed the difficulty of landing his first true SEO gig, optimizing for a PPC company. The challenge of finding his voice within the industry, and much, much more. In the news, we again talk about the impact of coronavirus on the SEO industry as well as our personal lives. And finally, we have a deep dive into another incredibly important topic diversity in the SEO industry. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Luke's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, host of the Page Two podcast, and we are here with episode number 45, and we are uh, cruising to the finish of season two, which will end at episode 50. Can't believe that we are already at episode 45. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, seems like we just started, uh, started season two yesterday, and here we are. Uh, we've managed to crank out a lot of episodes, and that voice was my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella. Jeff, how's it going? Oh well,
1: how you doing today?
0: Hey, man, I'm just trying to stay just trying to stay healthy, man. Uh, yeah you know, basically everywhere is completely shut down. Uh, I went out to the store to stock up on supplies because apparently uh, we're about to, uh, we are right at the beginning of the story on the walk. Basically, it's like we're on The Walking Dead and it's just before the TV cameras start filming us. Uh, Not to make light of anything, but yeah, like life is is incredibly crazy right now, for sure. The world is crazy. it is. Oh, and we have a guest uh, from across the pond today, uh, Mr. Luke Davis. Luke, how's it going?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are how are things uh, over there in the UK?
2: Um, <clears throat> it's tricky to really gauge because the government have kind of announced that they're not doing very much, but there's a lot of people who are worried about what's going on and what to do uh there's the panic buying that's going on that I'm sure you've seen um, yeah, yeah this, it's It's really weird at the moment um some people not doing anything a lot it's just yeah a difficult thing to kind of navigate and just to see what's going to happen in the next few weeks and months.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is, uh, I think, a question everybody is kind of asking asking themselves, uh, talking about amongst the family. You can't turn on the, the radio or the TV without uh, seeing coronavirus, and um, and we'll talk about that to, today in the news. Um, but before we get, get to that, um, I, I just want to say that uh, I'm sure that there will be more people, uh, you know, obviously working from home and listening, hopefully, to, to podcasts and just Kind of trying to take their mind away from uh, what is uh, potentially a very scary reality. So we hope that while while we're probably going to talk about it today because it's unavoidable, that maybe we can be a bit of um, a bit of a relief from uh, being uh, bombarded by a really serious, uh, really serious topic that is COVID nineteen. So if you haven't listened to this podcast before. Um, I, well, first off, I want to thank everybody that has, uh, I think that that's incredibly important. Um, I've alluded to it, uh, to kind of our growing numbers over the course of the last several episodes. Uh, and we've kind of continued to grow in February. We had, uh, for us a record month in terms of, uh, listens, which was awesome. Uh, and not only that, when we started this podcast, um, initially in season one it was just me and then jeff joined and we kind of sat down and said okay uh, what is our goal how, how many listens do we want to get uh and i'm happy to report that not only have we beat that goal we've just completely obliterated it and by the time we get to end to the end of season two um our goal for number of listeners and we'll share kind of what it what it is uh uh don't want to bury the lead um but we'll share, share the numbers kind of at the end of season two. Um, we've completely surpassed our goal and we are excited about that. That doesn't mean that we're the biggest podcast in the world because we're not, but for what I like to call the little podcast that, that could, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing quite well and growing quite well. So we thank everybody.
1: I mean, when you set your goal at five, it makes it really easy to beat it. Yes.
0: Yes. So yeah. When, when we set our goals (laughs) very, very low. So we've gotten 12 listeners uh, at our goal at five. So we basically crushing it. Yeah. We're crushing, (laughs) crushing it. Um, That being said uh, we realize again, and we'll probably do this for the remainder of season two uh, that there are a lot of new listeners People bumping into this podcast organically forgive kind of the play on the play on words. um, But many people still might not know about this podcast. And if you're one of those first time listeners kind of here is uh, the basis for the podcast. Um, Number one, uh, we aim to be a little bit different than other SEO podcasts and that we just we don't only talk about SEO. Um, where this podcast really, really started uh, was the idea of where do SEOs come from, SEO origin stories, and just kind of the day-to-day life of what it's really like to be an SEO. Um, there is plenty of knowledge dropping, but that's not the goal. The goal is really to talk about the reality of, of being an SEO. And as a listener, you're kind of like a fly on the wall listening to what SEOs really say to each other when, when the clients leave the room, so to speak. And then uh, added this season are kind of two extra legs to the stool. One, uh, we talk about the news um, and that's, uh, that's fairly new. And I think that that was spawned uh, from my season one rant uh, over rail next and rail Preve, Uh And it has continued into season two, although uh, at the risk of some of our episodes becoming dated over, over the course of time, we might rethink that strategy in season three, but, uh, this season, you get to hear me and Jeff kind of rail on everything uh, about the news and mostly just me complaining about everything uh going on in the news and calling google evil uh and then uh kind of the third leg of the stool is uh a deep dive uh we try to deep dive uh into all kinds of different topics um we've done you know s e o topics we've we've done uh, things like Uh, Website migrations we just did, which is a a really interesting topic. But we've also talked about things that are um, important, but are more life and philosophical things uh, like mental health. Uh, And today's topic is going to be diversity. Uh, and I was saying to Luke, um, I don't know that we are necessarily the, the best people to talk about diversity, we being Jeff and, and myself, Jake, uh, because I would say that we come from uh, a very privileged backgrounds in terms of where we kind of sit uh, within the within the SEO space. But having Luke on, uh, and I know that Luke probably has some thoughts, uh, would be, he would be a great person to talk about that because he... he uh, probably has more experience than than we do. Although I, I think we have kind of our own um, stories kind of from the outside looking in that we'll share. So that is kind of what we're going to deep dive uh, into on the back half of this episode. So without further ado, uh, nobody wants to hear me talk anymore. So Luke, um, let's talk about your background. Uh, I guess explain to the guests uh, who you are uh, and how you got into SEO.
2: Yeah, so um, I think it all started when um, my dad got a, what's called VIF program job. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, that's um, Visiting International Faculty Programme. So obviously we lived in a town called Luton, which is about 30 miles from London. And he got a job to teach in Atlanta in 2000. Um, So me, mum and my dad moved over and um, we were only there six months because unfortunately it didn't work out it was a culture clash and things just didn't seem to work out things went from bad to worse every day it seemed for them at least Um, but the one thing that I did get out of it uh, my mum worked at the uh, library at the school that I was at and every Wednesday evening um, she'd work till late and I'd stay behind at the computer lab while she did her work and those Wednesday evenings were sort of the first times that I was able to experience the internet properly because we didn't have any, didn't have a computer or any kind of internet access at home before in England or even after. Um, So those were the first times I got to access the internet and it was basically just falling down rabbit holes every Wednesday um, and just kind of accessing a whole new world. And it was just amazing, really. Um, a year on after that, um, I started coding in HTML CSS just off my own back because I found it interesting. Um, he used to use my dad's laptop and like front page express if you can, <laughs> if anyone can remember that still. Um, and then from there just carried on using computers and then started blogging in about 2008. Um, started working as a digital marketing assistant for a record label in 2011 while I was studying for a music tech degree. Um, Started my own proper blog a year later um, after I got let go Um, and it just went from there. I kept on blogging, kept on sort of keeping up with SEO, uh, reading blogs and reading books and just keeping abreast of everything and then eventually I got my first professional job last year so it's just been a lot of self-taught work and just a lot of interest to get me where I am today.
0: And where are you at now?
2: Uh, the company I work for is called Adzuma. Um, it's a PPC software company. Um, they're based in Nottingham, where I live. Um, which is in sort of the East Midlands area of the UK, um, and I'm the sort of SEO executive. So it's mainly sort of doing the SEO. Um, as it were for the blog side, but she branching out to the main site and all of the sort of organic areas in that.
0: So one of the, one of the things you had uh, mentioned uh, coming over to the States was uh, a bit of a culture clash. And I I guess I just have to be facetious and ask is, was that, was that because you ran into Jeff in Atlanta and he, he turned you guys off to the States? Is it Jeff's fault?
1: No, definitely not. <laughs> I might not have been in Atlanta then. But <laughs> I blame
0: Jeff. I blame Jeff.
1: Yeah, I, I live in Atlanta right now, so it's uh, no. I, I can see it's it's funny coming from the north of the states um, down to the south. There's there's a little bit of a culture clash that way too. So.
0: Yeah, I well, I guess in, in in all seriousness, like what were the actual clashes, if you don't mind sharing?
2: Yeah. um <clears throat> So I think it was just, I think it was a people thing, really. Um, I was I was only like 10 at the time, so I didn't really feel any of the same things that my parents did because I guess they were adults and they had to deal with adult things. And I was just kind of coasting along. It was all sort of an amazing experience for me um, to a point. Um, so my dad had some issues in the schools that he was teaching at. Um, at one point, he got accused of assault, which wasn't the case he hadn't assaulted anybody but um obviously that took a lot of toll on him because he'd never experienced anything like that in the UK um oh. my mum had just generally from, from the first week that we got there she wanted to go home um there's a lot of things that didn't go the way they should have so like setting things up so like setting up cable uh telephone um finding somewhere to live it just wasn't sort of plain sailing. And my mum's the kind of person, if it doesn't work out pretty soon to how she wants it to, then she kind of says, no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> quick uh, no, I, quick decision. <laughs> yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, when we
1: moved and, – and, again, we didn't even move internationally. Like, we just moved from the north of America to the, to the south of it. And,
2: uh, it, and with it was my accent ar- being English, um, it was <laughs> – the children and yeah. some of the teachers. So so certain words I'd say, they'd be like, oh, say that word again, say that word again, and it got kind of tiring. So I, I basically had to assimilate and then adopt an American accent just to stop people asking me to say words all the time. And the weirdest thing is no one seemed to notice that my accent had changed. It was almost as if they'd accepted that that was a normal thing to happen from one day to the other. I mean, um, and yeah, that's we, just weird.
0: We're all, you know, we're all... It, depending on your age raised on the the culture of sitcoms where like they can just switch in different actors to play the same character and it's like nobody notices so maybe it was like a situation like like that where where maybe they just i don't know <laughs> thought that you would you would just switched and we're i don't know i'm i, I don't even know what point i'm trying to make I, I just keep thinking of uh uh of old episodes of saved by the bell uh for example, where they just switch people in or switch people out and nobody, nobody's the wiser on the show. And I, I don't know, stupid Americans.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I remember, um, God, and I'm, I'm going to share a, a, a really embarrassing for me story. Um, when I was in, in school and it's not because of me, I'm, I'm embarrassed of the way that I behaved. We had a student from California that uh, moved in, uh, moved to Ohio. And like being from California when you're in small town, Midwest, uh, Ohio in the States is like being from, he might as well have been from Mars uh, in terms of our world experience uh, it, and all of the the kids in my little hometown of Crestline might as well have been from Mars. So something as stupid as he called uh, uh, Pop Uh, he called it, he called it soda. And like literally from that moment on, like he was brandished as the person that called pop soda and everybody, not only, not only myself, but everybody used it as a way to uh, make fun of him. And not that I'm, I, it, it was completely, completely absurd. And uh, that one thing literally allowed us as mean spirited kids to latch on to let's find any other thing that we can make fun of this kid for because he's the outsider and he's from, uh, California and, um, I'm really, really <laughs> embarrassed that we did that. And now, you know, when I, when I think about that today, most people in the country call it soda. Uh, and here I am, the the hillbilly from uh, from Crestline that calls it pop. And uh, I mean, a lot of people around the company call or around the country just call all, all soda or all pop Coke. So I, I it never occurred to any of us that we might be the stupid ones. And in fact, yes, we were the stupid, stupid ones and, and super mean as as kids. We Like I think about that with great regret. And I'm sure that there was some of that uh, going on Luke with your experience because literally Americans can be really obtuse and stupid sometimes. Oh, as great as this country is, um, can be stupid sometimes. Um, so what's it like doing SEO for a PPC company?
2: Uh, there's a lot of PPC. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting that I'd, I'd never had any experience with PPC before. Um, initially, when I joined, I was working for uh, one of the offshoot companies that was there at the time. Um, so I started here as a copywriter for um, what was known as Digital Circle. So it was kind of looking at um, one side of it was looking at betting um and the other side was looking at um casinos like can see casino review site in effect um and that was interesting because I'd I'd actually had some experience with writing for that kind of content before it was just a freelance job that lasted a few months um and then when uh one of the recruiters called me and asked me um I know this is very niche but do you have any experience with writing about casinos and betting? And I was like, yeah, I literally do. So it was almost like fate in a way. Um, at the time when I got the call, I was in a sort of like a, a hardware store here. Um, <clears throat> it was completely unexpected. And at that time I thought the next job I go for is going to be the last one I go for because I'd had so many rejections um, up until that point that I'd kind of almost given up. Um So when I got that call, I kind of, I was excited about it in a way, but then I kind of played it down to not get too excited just in case it didn't happen. Um, But it did, and I'm very happy about that. Um, And obviously from there, the company got sold off, and and then I started working for the PPC, the parent company, um, within the sort of PPC software. And it was, yeah, it's just been really interesting to learn about paid ads um and how it all works and even the relationship between sort of ppc and seo um which is obviously seen as a conflict but there's a lot of sort of similarities and common goals there so it's been yeah really interesting to learn do you guys
1: work closely together i know this has been the kind of a uh... I guess it's a topic overall in the SEO world when you have SEO and PPC, you know, it works better together, but in practice, I think, um, usually two teams are kind of separated a lot of times and, you know, don't really have that interaction between each other that they should be. Um, I mean how much do you work with the team that does a lot of the p p c and, and do you help with any of that strategy like from just like the keyword side of things right not necessarily the bidding but like that part where s e o and p p c work together i mean are basically on the keywords and and what can work and and do you run any tests like that on our PPC side, I'd love to be able to run tests on certain words, certain things to make sure that we rank for them or, or that you know, there's actually uh, any type of engagement with those before we spend the time writing content and building up uh, pages around it. i was just wondering if you had, like how much interaction you have between
2: the two teams? Um, not as much as I um, would maybe like. So like you said, the keywords yeah. are the, sort of the main bridge between the two and in certain instances I have kind of asked for data on high-performing keywords to kind of gauge what we could do from an SEO perspective. Um, But yeah, we do, in the office that I'm in, um, I'm within the content team and then on the desk in front adjacent to us is the PPC paid team. Um, So we do kind of liaise uh, in a general sense, but quite as much from sort of a seo strategy type thing but yeah. yeah there's there's some i've always thought there's there's ways for us to work together a lot more um just because there's a lot of insight that they can provide and maybe even some insight that i could provide um as well so it's something that i've looked at wanting to sort of make more of a thing uh, between mm-hmm. sort of seo and ppc but um at the moment it's not quite there yet but it's getting there i think i think i noticed
1: um, oh go ahead jeff i was gonna say i notice when i when i do uh work i i love when i work with other teams ppc teams because then i can kind of hound them and and do stuff like try to get those keywords and I'll, i'll get a list of just kind of um it's funny the key like i don't really get great performance lists i'll get a list of things they've gone through and a lot of it is like um you know, wild card it out. So like anything that has this term in it. And I'm like, I want the exact terms. <laughs> I don't need like wild card lists, but I, I, that's what I've noticed when I worked with a lot of like external PPC companies that uh, it definitely seems like they just throw a broad net. Um, I, and I want that like whittled down net of like, these are the exact terms that are driving the most. And, and um, with our teams internally, I can get a lot of that data. But when we, when I work with companies that I already have a PPC team or an internal team, it, it seems like there's so much data there and there is, I just wish that like it was like translating better to SEO for me, but that's some of the issues that I've been kind of working when I would look at PPC data that's coming in.
0: Yep. So I, I feel like this is, um, it's a common discussion. And if you're on the outside of the industry, you would expect the SEO and PPC would work together like the left part of the brain and the right part of the brain and I think my experience has been that the reality is the left part of the brain is often shut down from the right part of the brain and they don't communicate as much as you would think that they, that they would. Um, Almost every agency I've ever, ever worked in um, with a few teams uh, at different agencies being kind of the exception to the rule. It is sold as yeah, our SEO and a PPC team work together every day. They talk all the time, and nothing could be further from the truth. Now, I've had uh, I've had various teams uh, along the way, uh, and more so so recently, um, where we do a very good job of communicating uh, back and forth across the fence. But it's not like I'm diving into their strategy or they're diving into my the strategy on the SEO side every single day to really kind of understand everything that is uh, happening. So I think the outside expectation is the old adage of like one plus one equals three when you combine them both together. And honestly, nothing can be could be further from the from the truth in terms of the reality of how we we normally work. And not that I don't want that to get better. I do. I wish it were better. Um, But I think that it's really hard for people to change the way that the way that they work and more people than are probably willing to admit within the this industry don't work with their other teams as much as they should be Um, probably myself and myself included Um, and unfortunately that Mm -hmm. is just the reality Oh, so you've also done a little bit of SEO work for record label. That's, um, we've we've had some musicians uh, uh, on, uh, I think uh, in season one, I I don't think there was a musician in season two, but in season one, um, we had uh, a former uh, music teacher who became an an SEO. Um, I guess, what is it like to do work for a record label? And And also just it's I, I believe you said you studied music
2: yeah, so um I actually didn't do SEO for the label. it was a generalized digital marketing um position that I was taking um, so it was mainly sort of the blogging side of it, and any sort of ad hoc, whether it's design work or social even social media did a lot of that um, so this is a general sort of role that I undertook, um, but it was, wasn't was something that I'd actually went in for um, primarily, because I was obviously doing my music tech degree, and it was just that I wanted to get some music experience, and it just happened to so happen that the record label had a job that I was going, and it happened to be digital marketing, which I didn't have any specific experience in, but I had been blogging, so that was as close as I could get. Um and I it was almost just that like thrown in the deep end and kind of learn as I go. Um and yeah, it was a it was a good experience. Um I got to work with a friend who I'd actually um went to school with and actually shared a tutor group in college. it's kind of like we met at different points in in time, coincidentally, which was um interesting. Um and I'd made some friends along the way as well. Um, which I still have, Uh, but I think from there it was a kind of a sour end because um, I was getting paid, but then towards the end they kind of stopped uh, and then I had to basically leave because I was kind of going and not getting paid, so that wasn't really working out. Um, But with everything I'd learned, then I started my own sort of music blog, which is still going today, I started that in 2012, And that gave me the opportunity to kind of learn what SEO was and what to do and what not to do. Um, And then kind of the opportunities to speak to musicians that I probably never would have even come close to speaking to people at at my own idols in music, I suppose. Um, And it was just, it's been an amazing experience running that and then, any offshoot blogs that I've created since. Um, So I've got this one, this music box called Sample Face. And then uh, since then I've created three others uh, dedicated to culture, um, STEM and sport. And it's just basically running those whenever I feel like putting up content and then kind of using those as sort of test beds for any SEO strategies that I come i find or any kind of ideas that i think i can't really test this at work i can test this with these blogs see if this works see what works see what doesn't and then kind of use those experiences for work and any future things that i do
1: it's one thing i usually recommend to anyone trying to get into seo it's like start a blog, start a website, and, and try to get traffic to it. Because once you get into SEO, uh, or if you are, you know, working in SEO, you can't really try everything out on some of your client side, especially the more experimental stuff. So, being able to have it on your own website is really a great thing to do.
2: Yeah,
0: implementation is, um, I would say, especially on the agency side, by far, like the biggest hurdle um, that you'll deal with, maybe outside of just being generally good at communicating with your with your clients, so it is always good to have uh, a separate place that you control where you can actually implement and and learn things. Because you know, with clients, um, there are a lot of times where recommendations stack up over the course of time, and not a lot gets gets implemented. Um, so it's definitely good to uh, to have your own test test bed, so to speak. Um but luke one one of the things I was gonna ask is i almost feel like a duty to ask this uh when you're you were at the record label and shame on them for like not paying you. that's ridiculous um but running your your blog, um I guess who's the most famous musician that you got a chance to to run into
2: um well, the music that I'm into is mainly sort of hip hop um and that is pretty much what that label was. Um, promoting at the time Um, so they had I started a blog for the label and it was called Hip-Hop Village Um, and all the content well pretty much most of the content was me and my ideas Um, and it kind of helped uh, with kind of getting more into hip-hop and then kind of experimenting with content related to that because most of of the content related to that at the moment is basically news and um kind of gossip bits um which is something i always stay away from because it that's a saturated market and a lot of it isn't in my opinion particularly interesting to read um so i think that was my first experience in trying to find niches and opportunities to put out content that was more interested in things that people hadn't covered before. Um, and that's kind of something that I've carried over <clears throat> in the future, um, even to the work that I'm doing today, kind of finding um, areas where it's niche, but also kind of common enough that people will search for it, but also stuff that people won't have read before, kind of marrying the two. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to find the things that are untapped in a way, and just those opportunities can sort of replot a benefit. So, so I'll take that as you did
0: or did not run into Ed she- Ed Sheeran, who is like the only maybe he's the only UK musician that I know because I'm just a stupid American who's not into <laughs> music.
2: No, I didn't. Um, I don't think Ed Sheeran. Well. I don't think Fetcheon was as popular as he was back then um but uh, I'm trying to think of any artists the, the, the label wasn't a big one so there wasn't any that really big artists um that you may have heard of or that were like famous within sort of the UK or even the world I suppose but um yeah it was a good experience anyway regardless so Last question
0: before we jump into news. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've gone through um, from an SEO, SEO perspective
2: strictly? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's uh, finding... Finding... Well for me anyway finding my place within SEO um, so if for anyone that's active online in terms of social media or just active in talking about SEO or discussing it in any way is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of content out there about different aspects of SEO um, whether it's strategy or tips or guides or that sort of thing um, and it's a lot it's difficult trying to find your place within that and not get bogged down by a lot of the noise that's there. Um, So I think I've become more specialised for me anyway within the technical side um, because I'd spent a lot of years kind of writing and sort of basically blogging. Um, But it's only recently that I've kind of specialised in the technical side, so the on-page stuff, and even Python, which I've been learning since October. Because um, I've always had sort of a mathematical, analytical background, so it kind of uh, marries up with a lot of the stuff that i had been learning before. And with a self-taught background in HTML and CSS, it's, it felt like a no-brain to me anyway. Um, <clears throat> I think it's been challenging to kind of find my way through all the noise within SEO um, and stay true to what I want to do and who I am in an identity type way because um, there's there's so much <laughs> and there's a lot of things that have been said that have um that like repeated what other people have said and, and they're the most common and the loudest topics and it's just trying to find what I can do and... Kind of ignore a lot of the stuff, even if it's kind of the most commonly said things. It's it's funny that you say that because that was
0: the very thing that I thought about when we started this podcast. Um, because I I too wanted to have a voice within the industry, but I wanted to also stay true to my um, to to myself. Uh, and there is a lot of noise, and there are a lot of people. Um, shouting very loudly, uh, especially if you're on se uh, Twitter, SEO Twitter, I call it. Um, there are a lot of people that have been in the game for a long time that have uh, big followings, and it's it's difficult for um, for newcomers to kind of break through and begin to share their voice and garner kind of a following of their own. So if you're going to do it, you've got to figure out a way to stand. Uh, stand out while also uh, of course talking about um, some of the things that everybody else talks talks about um, And that was that was that was our segue into this podcast like hey we want to create a, a an SEO podcast but like you don't just want to create the same damn podcast that everybody else is doing how can we how can we make it different how can we um, you know provide our own sort of angle and value proposition uh that would be different from every other SEO podcast ever um which is which is kind of why you got the angle of origin origin stories but i would say luke um i think you've done a good job on twitter um i, I feel like i kind of like bumped into you on on twitter um because i thought you were uh, one participating in conversations, right? Uh, if you want to grow your presence, you have to participate, right? You've gotta be present. Uh, so I think that it, it, for me, many months ago, um, you know, we, I, I started to notice you crop up more in terms of your participation in the SEO conversation. And not only that, like I noticed you saying actually interesting, interesting things. Um, which is why we wanted to have you, um, have you on the podcast. So I, I would, um, I would give you, give you credit. I think for me, the, the thing that made me laugh is as you were crossing, uh, different follower thresholds, uh, aligning them to status codes was kind of the, 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 the one thing that, that I thought was pretty memorable and funny, but yeah. And also I've noticed, I wanted to ask about this. You change your Twitter name, um, quite quite often and now it's the millennial shrug so I just wanted to ask where that came from
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because um, <clears throat> the account that um that you're referring to that I use um is my specific work account but I have a personal account that I've uh, I use um and it became a thing to change my name every so often to something comical um in this case I thought um it was kind of just when the coronavirus had started to come out of China. Um, I didn't want to make a light of the situation, but at the same time, I didn't want to kind of make it out to be um, something that we have to be frightened of and, you know, make it scary thing. So I thought that the reaction to it was, reminded me a lot of the millennium bug um, or Y2K for anyone who calls it that. Um, (laughs) And, I thought, well, given the fact that I'm a millennial, um, there's the um, stereotype that millennials don't care about anything, even though that's not true. Um, so I thought, put put all together and just go with the millennial shrug. I <laughs> thought it was quite funny, to me at least. Um, it's interesting that a friend of mine on Twitter actually thought that it was a, an actual thing um, or some kind of site that I had, um, but it wasn't, but it is something that, I've thought about maybe making into something, but with the amount of sites and domains and everything that I've either bought or considered buying, I'll I'll leave it as a thought for now and um, think of something a bit more later down the line before I dive into something
0: yeah I would say I never made the connection to Y2K. It makes sense when you explain it, but I made the connection to more of the stereo, stereotypical uh, millennial um, outlook. So yeah that I, I thought that was uh, pretty funny, pretty funny, and I'm looking forward to the next iteration of whatever you decide to change your name your name to. Oh, Jeff, so speaking of coronavirus, uh, is that the only thing in the news? It seems yeah. like it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's well in the real news, yes, but even in the SEO world, everything seems to be revolving around it. Where i um, talking about like what the big thing, you know, that, that's in the SEO side of things is just the conferences in general, um, traveling. Since there's travel bans now, I know the US is limited traffic or travel from European countries um, into the United States. Uh, I, I've heard stories of, you know, Americans that are over in Europe that are having trouble getting back now, let alone anyone who's had uh, vacation plans or anything. And it's, um, it is a, you know, it's, I'm not gonna say it's an issue, right? Cause we all want to be safe. It's just like, it's very uh, unexpected, right? Like we weren't expecting to have all this happen, but uh, recently here in the United States, we've had, um, the NBA major league soccer, major league baseball, the, um, NCAA basketball tournaments. Um, I think the masters just got, from what I just heard, uh, the masters just got, um, postponed. Uh, and these are like things that are like gigantic money making machines. And I, and I, uh, you know, I was kind of not taking the coronavirus. I'm not going to say not taking it serious because, of course, I take everything serious that way. But at the same time, I just thought it was an overreaction. And now that I see, like, all these major events going down and, like, stopping it, I'm like, wow, <laughs> it, it's got to be way more serious than I, than I thought it was. So, uh yeah, it's it's interesting. So some of the conferences, like there's some big ones like Brighton SEO. That one got postponed to October. I think it's twice a year, so I think they just canceled the spring version and and is um moving everything over to October. Um, Traffic Think Tank is now their Miami conference. They just um canceled that. Uh, South by Southwest in Austin, uh, Findability Conference in in Raleigh. I think all Word Camps have been closed down. Um, Adobe summit and Adobe, um, or Domo there, they have Domo Palooza and, and, uh, Microsoft and Facebook and Google have all canceled all their conferences. So, um, it's been crazy. And then on top of that, the stock markets and industries and everything like that have been crashing. So it's, there's really no room for SEO news. Uh, when I searched for it, like anything that was in SEO news seemed very like, uh, let's say just not really trivial news. Yeah, it's very trivial when it comes to like, you know, I was reading like, hey, Google's now showing a picture of a PDF and search results. Like, you know, does that <laughs> that's great, except that like all this other stuff is going on. So yeah, it's like who uh, gives
0: this shit? Coronavirus, damn it. Exactly.
1: exactly. So I mean it, it again, it's all right, my kids' schools are closed down. I know your kids' schools are closed down, Jacob and uh yep. um we're Ours are are doing it a little different where we're doing a week at a time. I know many schools have closed down for three to four weeks already. So we're, we're like, we're really trying to like this, this is really seems like a big deal. And, um, we're, we're, we were kidding earlier that like the internet's going to go to a halt because everybody's working from home, but that is also a big real deal that could be happening. Um, Luke, I know you're in. I know in Europe, like I know it's mostly Italy, but I know throughout Europe, uh, it's been a pretty big deal out there. How's it affected you?
2: Um, Well, our prime minister um, announced the plans. um, I think they called it the delay phase, which means kind of trying to minimise the effect. Now that it's kind of spreading more and more. It's a notably mute response to what's been happening in comparison to places like Italy, which is like complete lockdown, even Ireland, which is more or less the same, even places like Denmark and so on. Um, It's notable that schools aren't being asked to shut, um, which is kind of a polarised opinion. Some believe that they should be shut to minimise the effect to children, even though they're not sort of significant um, risks to it. Um, but then also the teachers as well. And anyone who's, um, um, susceptible to catching any illnesses. Um, I think there's been a ban on uh, crowds or anything like that of 500 or more. Um, but it's for me personally, I don't think it's enough at the moment. Their idea is that they want to, um, see what happens before making any, take any drastic measures. Um, but I feel like by not doing anything or doing significantly less than everyone else, uh, there's a possible chance that it could affect sort of the old generation a lot more and they could be more destined than they maybe should um, be the case. Yeah. Um, yep. But I'm not a politician and I'm also not a health professional or <laughs> any kind of expert in that way. So these are just my opinions. Um, but it's I, I think we should be... The government should be doing a lot more than they are. Um, I I mean, I'm not currently working from home, but I hope to be at some point next week. There's a lot of, like you said, Brighton SEO has kind of uh, cancelled the April edition and they're going to move over everything to October. Um, there's a lot of sort of local SEO meetups um, and other events that are kind of cancelling or otherwise postponing or suspending. Um and all different types of events doing the same sort of thing, um, which I think is the the best decision um, just for the safety of everybody, whether the risk is higher or not. I think it's just a peace of mind and just to not take that risk. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's funny. You're, you, uh, y- the UK is kind of where I would say the U S was maybe like three to four weeks ago where it's like, Let's take a wait and see sort of approach, and now that we're getting more cases uh, in almost every state, um, shit this week really has literally started yeah. to, to hit the fan, and I will say like i one no nobody's coming to this podcast for medical advice, so like please, good God, don't listen to to us when it comes to. Uh, (laughs) any sort of, any sort of medical advice other than just the good advice, wash your damn hands. Uh, But uh, I mean, like we can't not talk about it. To talk about other things would be incredibly, incredibly tone deaf. Um, And I will, you know, like Jeff admit that like several weeks ago, like I would say, like, I wasn't taking it very seriously. I was like, it's basically the flu Uh, because it, it wasn't like, a disease like Ebola, where the effects are, um, you know, so, so significant rate or so significant and the mortality rate, um, was significantly high. Um, yeah, it, it just, it just doesn't this particular disease just does not come, uh, with the, with the look of some of these other diseases and pandemics that have occurred in the past, uh, in terms of what they they look like it comes like it's the flu which everybody knows the flu and and certainly that has uh an impact on the population at large but the mortality rate is very very low um and when you think of the symptoms or not the symptoms but the the um ways to cure, cure yourself or keep yourself from, from getting sick. It's literally simple things. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, stay away from people, stay away from sick people. Uh, and I feel like because those are the, uh, those are the, the things that you have to do and it's not like people are walking around in hazmat suits and masks and it's, you know, it, it's not yeah. a disease or, or anything that you see, like you would see maybe in like a Hollywood movie, Uh, people like me uh, who aren't or weren't educated enough didn't take it seriously. Um, And now this week with things like our schools closing, conferences shutting down, uh, all athletic tournaments as if that's a barometer for things. And I find it funny. Usually athletics is the thing that you can turn to as kind of an escape. Uh, Like for example, after 9-11, there was a lot of... uh, uh, a lot of support and a lot of, I think, peace found at athletic events. Uh, and a lot of, um, I don't know what the right word, camaraderie, or it, um, a sense of pride from, mm-hmm. you know, like the first Yankees game after, and I'm not even a Yankees fan, but the Yankees game after 9-11, watching Bush throw out the first pitch. And in this case, the uh, the the impact it seems larger because of the way that it is being covered um, and the the fact that it is impacting the entire globe, but like you've got athletics leading the charge, shutting down. So it's a little bit uh, opposite. And um, you know, I went to the store last night and I was like, I, it was surprising like in our state uh, the governor uh, which it surprises me, Luke, that in the UK, they're saying 500. The governor has uh, is working on banning gatherings of more than 200 people. And I'm walking around the store last night going like, there are like a thousand people here. Yeah, uh, this, should, this shouldn't be. And literally, you know, you're going through the store and it's what I would imagine like people in Florida go through during hurricane season or I, that's the only thing I can compare it to other than like an actual like walking dead sort of a sort of event. Uh, The shelves are uh, mostly empty, especially in completely empty when you're looking for essentials like water, toilet paper, Lysol, uh, uh, sanitizing wipes, things like that. I went to three stores and every shelf was completely empty. And this came down at 2 p.m. yesterday and it was 5 p.m. Like when I got out of work and it was gone. And I'm like, I've been to that store several times because I it, the store is very close to my house. So I've been to that store several times this week, and uh, that stuff was still there like two days ago. So literally, people must have rushed out before people like myself who work until five um, must have rushed out and completely cleared it in two to three hours. And I that's when I was like, "Holy shit." Uh, maybe we need to start taking this more, more seriously. Uh, and then with the kids being, uh, so our kids being out of, out of schools, what I was referring to yesterday at 2 PM, the governor announced, Hey, uh, your kids are starting Monday, uh, not going to be in school. They're having an extended spring break. And I just kept thinking like, I'm, I'm lucky I work from home. My wife is a teacher, so she's going to be home. Um, but like, I'm thinking of all of those parents who don't have the luxury of, either being in the teaching profession or working from home that are now going to have to figure out what the hell to do with their, with their kids for an extended period of time um, and how to support their family. Like there are just so many things uh, in, in, and that's not even speaking to the, the amount of um, people that are new people that are getting it and the, the death toll. Like I'm, I, I feel like I'm very, very focused on like the logistics of it. And you mean, in the meantime, you know, there are a significant, you know, number of people um, dying from, from this, something that we didn't even take seriously three to four weeks ago that now we're realizing, oh, oh shit, maybe we do need to take this seriously. And still even like part of me believes that like, if this had happened 20 or 30 years ago with the way that the media is today versus then would it have been covered as much as it's getting covered now i don't know and I, and i think to some degree the media might be um inflating it but then the other part of me is like maybe they're not maybe this is really serious and i'm kind of i feel like i don't know how you guys feel but i'm feeling like we were not quick enough to react. And now it's spreading. I think in our country, we're reacting now to knock down sort of the, the curve of people getting, uh, you know, getting infected. But I think it was a, a, a little bit late on our part. Um, I feel like it's just a little bit of a limbo in terms of how we weren't taking it seriously. Now we, now we are, but the question is how seriously do we need to take it? Um, I don't know. That's just me ranting for probably, I don't know, 10 minutes on the on this subject. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So I think we can move on unless you guys have any, um, any other thoughts. Obviously it's a bad, uh, a, a bad, bad subject and we could probably literally uh, talk about it literally all day, but let's move on yeah. um, to diversity. So as I said at the beginning of the episode, um Jeff and I maybe aren't the best people to to speak from our experience because we're both male, uh, we're uh, we're both Caucasian, um, and you know, especially in marketing and s in an SEO, if if you fit kind of those two demographics, um, you've probably been pretty privileged in your uh, position within the industry and probably within. Within life, um, so a lot of our perspective on this subject is coming from the outside looking in. And uh, Luke, I think that this is a good um, a good pivot point for you to maybe share your experiences. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I think you're better to talk about it than than we are. But I think <laughs> it's an important topic to cover for sure because there are a lot of people out there. Uh, that have been to some degree discriminated uh, against and that have had bad experiences, even um, especially within SEO.
2: Yeah, um, so I want to preface anything I'll say by saying I can only speak on my experience as a black male person. Um, I can't speak for any women or anyone in the LGBTQ community or anyone who's disabled, anything of sort of those demographics I can speak of my own experiences um but from those experiences it's it's been difficult um there's never been anything explicit at least directed to me anyway um but I'm aware that there has been things there's been a lack of diversity and lack of I want to say inclusion or inclusivity um, within sort of the industry. Um, So as an an example, um, I think I'd alluded to it, I mentioned it earlier um, in this episode, um, the fact that uh, it taken quite eight years basically from when I left the music label to get my first job here um, to actually get a role in SEO or at the very least in digital marketing in some way. Um, I never thought it was anything like racist or anything, any kind of racial discrimination, but when I was looking at um, agency websites, um, just to kind of send prospective emails to say, hey, have you got any jobs going or Hi, I'm in the area. Um, I used to look at the uh, team pages just to see who worked there, what they did, that sort of thing. And there was a lot of, usually white men, usually men of, I'd say, middle age, um, all, nearly all of them had grey hair, some <laughs> description, um, and they're all in sort of the higher roles. Um, <clears throat> in terms of diversity, you'd probably maybe get some white women, um, in either in those roles, which was a lot less. Um, but... It was mainly just white people, men or women. Um, I can't remember if I saw any sort of people of of colour, whether they were black or brown or otherwise. <clears throat> and it was a little disheartening to think that me as a, a black person looking at these agencies that I would maybe want to work for if I was... Um, if I got the opportunity and I'd be the only one there and potentially if I was there for however many years could still be the only one there it was it was a little sad to see um, and it makes little to no sense to me um, because it's not as if um, the UK is like 99.9% uh, white and 0.01% non-white it's there's a lot of different backgrounds and uh, races and so on in in the country. And I really think that in our area, in digital, uh, the, se- the digital sector, there should be a better makeup of what, at least what this country represents in terms of people that live there. And I don't think it should kind of correlate with the notion that it's white people and not white people or people who are sort of heterosexual or in, on, in the LGBTQ community. So I think for me, it was sad to see that there wasn't any kind of diversity, at least on a from a racial perspective. And then obviously if you go deeper down, even if there was, you don't get to see a lot of non, some non-white people within higher roles as well Um, and not even just SEO it's just like a I think it's just a a kind of industry general industry capitalist thing Um, there's there's too much disparity especially with for example uh, the wage gap um, between sort of men and women Um, there's a lot of companies that refuse to kind of say what the wage gap is, if there is anything at all. And I find that very suspect because that's almost as if they're hiding the fact that they're being discriminatory. Um, and anytime I hear about it in the news or hear of any experiences, it's just very disheartening. And I do the best I can to kind of use the privilege I have to expose that if I can and kind of amplify the voices of people who... I've been told to be quiet and just accept it, and I don't think you should.
1: No, I agree. It, I mean, it's it's interesting it, though. I mean, I I feel I, it's it's a tough one for me, one to to explain there. But I mean, I've grown up in areas where you know we were way more diverse in, in general, um, and and I'm all across the the gamut, right? I mean, it's uh, right now by the area I live in, my kids' elementary school is actually sixty percent Indian. Um, which was, you know, when we moved here, we, we did not know. I mean, we, I figured I was moving down to the South of America, not South America, in the South of, of the United yes, States. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I, coming from the North, I just figured it was a bunch of hillb- hillbillies and things like that. But, uh, Come in, there's a huge Indian community here. Um, the town over for me is a huge Korean community. And, and we do see a ton of diversity in the areas here, which is great. Because even where I grew up in Philadelphia, there's tons of diversity. But a lot of it is, is segregated still where there's, um, you know, just sections, right? Everyone has like their kind of their sections. And it's, um, I was interested when I first got my first couple jobs, not in the SEO world. I actually used to install cable television and I installed cable television in, in a lot of the, you know, uh, minority areas uh, inside of Philadelphia and really spent lots and lots of time down there and met lots of people and um, worked in interesting um, like uh, government projects and government housing situations there. So, and, and I felt like I me personally, I, I get along with everybody. And I, I have an issue where I, when I first got into SEO and development, like, I work for companies that were led by women. So I, I don't see it as much as, as people are saying. And I know it's there because I look at, you know, look at any SEO conference and look at all the speakers and you'll, you'll see that there's a lack of diversity and, and things like that. But I, maybe I just picked the right companies or pick certain things around there, but we, you know, people do focus on it a lot. Um, and, and like, I don't want to minimize it at all. I just feel like it's my, again, we can only speak for our own journeys. And, and I feel that uh like, there, there is a gap, definitely, um, but I feel like it's really been a focus at a lot of companies, at least that I've been working for. And, and in the internet or, or technical world, I think there's a big push for it. I think we also have um, issues maybe in schooling and, and things like that where certain schools aren't getting that education to, um, to where they where they go. I was lucky where my parents, when I was younger, brought a computer home to my house and um I have two other brothers. They didn't care about it. I was the the nerd kid that was on it nonstop, and maybe because I was on it all the time that they didn't get to use it as much as I did. Um, but then I I went through that way, like, and and really got into computers um, um, that way in there. But even on when the internet happened and I started talking to people from Russia and people from Africa and people from South America, I um, know we talked about music before. I, I used to DJ, so. Um, I, I would like kind of try to send mixes all around the country and I, and I always feel like I've been very open and inclusive in, in, in my world. But, um, but when I look at, you know, the, like, again, in our industry and look at the stages of, of people there um, I can definitely see where the point is coming from.
0: Yeah. And, and for myself uh, coming from a poor rural area in the um, in Ohio, which is Northern United States. Um, I, you can about imagine what type of a of an outlook and an environment that existed there with respect to uh, people who were not men, not white. Um, I didn't agree with it even growing up. Uh, didn't agree with it, um, but you know it was hard to ignore. And I would venture to say that that sort of sentiment um, continues to exist in, in pockets within the United States. Although I would say it is, um, I believe it's getting, getting better, um, in, in all areas getting better, not where it should be. Um, I think my own experience working at agencies has been, um, really noticing the lack of diversity, especially, um, confined to the SEO teams that I've been a part of nearly everybody in a senior position while I've been at certain companies has been a man Uh, and not only that a white man. Um, And I've always found that to be so weird Um, in, in one company in particular, almost everybody who was on the content team, or everybody who was like uh, uh, I don't want to say lesser tier, but less experienced, kind of lower level, uh, tended to be women, which was which was really really weird. And I I thought that they must have felt incredibly incredibly awkward. Um, I think the only I've only run against one woman in my career, and I've I've been working in agencies for ten or eleven years over the course of my 14 year career in SEO that was in an, an, SEO leadership position. And I can't, you know, now that I think about it, I can't even imagine the difficulty that she might have run up against in terms of having to deal with her uh, male colleagues. Can't even, can't even imagine that. Um, and, and that's not even speaking to um, the LGBTQ uh, as well as um, you know, the, the, the racial uh, the racial stuff. Um, I I can't say that there have been a lot of people in color. Uh, people of not in color. God, how stupid do I sound? People of color uh, also within the industry. And I do find that when I'm looking at conferences, it's literally just the same. It's it's the same old recycled people in every speaker lineup. And I'm I'm really. Uh, excited when i when I see things like the women in tech SEO conference that is that is exclusive to uh, to women and I'm glad that that was uh, super successful and glad that that came before all of these conferences started uh, started shutting down because I yeah. think that 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 I think that that conference in particular has legs and will continue to grow um, and good job, uh, Areej Abu Ali, who is going to be a guest in a few weeks on this show. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Um, she's, she's, uh, like you, Luke has, has kind of made a, an indelible imprint, uh, within the industry and has found her, has found her own voice. So I'm really excited when stories like that kind of tend to, to break through. Um, I think the weird position that folks like Jeff and myself are in as we're also trying to establish our own voice is, um, the question of okay, I'm I'm at a at a at a high high level, a leadership level within our our team, or in other agencies, I've been at a at a higher level than um, some other people, but not at a high enough level to where I make staffing and hiring decisions. And I would like nothing more than to hire a woman and, and balance balance out our teams, or to hire a person of color and balance out our teams, but I'm not in the position to to do that. And not only that, but you know, I, I also would love to go and speak at conferences. But if I do that, I know that there's the chance that I'm taking a potential opportunity from somebody else. So there is a, a really weird and fine balance uh, in terms of folks like myself who are looking to, um, increase, uh, increase the, our, our, footprint within the industry and our voice within the industry while also trying to balance out giving other people, uh, a chance. So I don't, Luke, I don't know like what your perspective is or like what your perspective is on how the industry or people like myself and Jeff can just do better. Um,
2: I don't know. Um, so from my perspective the thing that comes up quite often particularly within recruitment um and in terms of um making a balance is quotas um i personally don't believe that they um, they can solve the issue i do think instead um something that i do at least uh when whenever at least on twitter if anyone has ever um posted an uh, a job or said that there's a job opening. Um I've often sort of quote tweeted it and made a specific call to people of colour or women of colour or anyone from a sort of marginalized um group um to say, you know, <clears throat> go go ahead and go for this job. Because I feel like um while quotes don't work, I still feel like the pool of prospective um, applicants is still going to be as non-diverse as the companies that are going to take people in. And I think that active um, inclusion or acts of um, positive inclusion um, are the way forward. In, in this regard. Um, so I think that things like that and just being mindful of the kind of language that's been used or the behavior um, as well, if there are any um, sort of people of color or people um, from the LGBTQ community um, and even um, away from diversity for a second, sort of mental health as well um, in terms of the things that you say in the language that you use because um, things that we do and say can alienate people in ways that we may not realize because of our own privilege. And I think it's important to be considerate of other people um, that don't have the experiences or don't have to navigate the microaggressions that that we may <clears throat> would otherwise not see. So I think it's about taking care of people um that have to suffer through a lot of things that we don't have to suffer through uh because of any kind of privilege i think it's about understanding uh what intersectionality is rather than just being a buzzword or the word woke being misattributed to almost anything that's remotely left-wing which i think is um is careless and (laughs) sort of unfair um and weaponizing because it's not that the word wasn't created for that purpose um so i think that it's about being active and understanding that there are people who are affected by these sorts of microaggressions and just being there for them and not talking over people i think that's something else that is quite important not to do because there's a lot of There's a lot of discrimination that goes on. And I don't think that talking on behalf of a marginalized group and not listening to what they are actually saying um, is a very good idea. And it happens all too often. Um, So rather than speak, be a spokesperson for somebody, you should maybe hold the megaphone for them or provide them with one, um, proverbially anyway, um, and let them be heard and let them be heard almost everywhere um because there's yeah there's there's too many people shouting loudly for other people without really listening to what they're going through
0: yeah and i um i think the 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 term that kind of came to my mind was um man, mansplaining <laughs> yeah and i've said it before um i i'm probably i think we're all probably guilty of doing that at, at at some point, and and um, I can't speak for you guys, but it's never been my intention. I know maybe other men might be doing it in, intentionally due to their kind of viewpoints, but in my experience, it's never been my intention to do that. But I can definitely see that there have probably been scenarios where I've definitely, definitely done that. So I'm like, when I look back and think of my interactions with with women or in situations we, you know, where there's a group of people having a conversation and there are women or, um, uh, you know, other people in, involved, um, where I can only imagine, imagine and think back embarrassingly about times that maybe I've done that without knowing it and alienated somebody without, without knowing it. And I can't imagine being a, the type of tyrant that would do that, do that on purpose. Um, I don't know. Is there is there like that equivalent? So that's just between men and women. Is there that type of an equivalent with um, uh, uh, people of color to, to, to white people or uh, uh, heterosexuals versus people in the LGBTQ? Uh, I, if there is, I, I'm not aware of it, but that's just me being uh, not um, educated. So I, I don't know if there's another equivalent and maybe you guys know. I don't know.
2: Um, well, I know there's race-splaining, um, so that's really kind of mansplaining, but from a r- racial perspective. Um, so uh, from what I've experienced or what I've seen, elements of that include um, explaining racism in terms of a dictionary definition and the kind that says any any prejudice towards any race, which includes white people, um, and that's not the case because that's not where racism is. And especially not something that you should be speaking or talking down to people of color with, um, a dictionary definition. Um, cause there's, that's a whole kind of worms there. <laughs> so well, that's not okay. Ah, who does um, that? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I think who
0: does that? But there are people that do that. It's insane to me.
2: But... Yeah. And they, they, they do it quite a lot, particularly wow. men as well, that I've noticed. Um, And just the idea that reverse racism exists, which is kind of an offshoot of that, Um, just to say that, um, for example, uh, white people from sort of maybe uh, poor or disadvantaged backgrounds, uh, for want of a better word, um, have had it hard. And therefore, they have gone through similar discrimination as, say, someone who's black or someone who's brown or so on and aligning it with racism. And it's just not, it's not like a competition. It's not like a comparable thing. And that's where the, the idea of intersection intersectionality comes through. Um, in that understanding that there are levels of privilege and that you have to understand that some people may have gone through certain things that you may not have gone through. Um, I can't, I can't speak on anything in regards to the LGBTQ community in terms of any kind of explaining, um, cause I've not gone through that myself and I don't want right. to sp- speak on behalf of anyone, but I'm sure there's plenty that, um, that community have gone through, um, in terms of people explaining what things are within that community. But yeah, there's a lot going on race explaining wise and it's, yeah, it's tough to navigate and it's very exhausting. I've had to go through it personally and it's a matter of knowing, um, what to say, what not to say whether to ignore it or to address it, but yeah, it's very tiring to go through.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I feel like I have the attitude of like, I am definitely not the smartest person in the room ever. So I never try to, (laughs) unless someone asks me something technical, like I try to explain technically something in SEO, but in, in the world, like I have no clue. And I, I think as the older I get, the more I realize that I, maybe when I was in my twenties or thirties, you know, now I'm in my forties. I'm like, I, I feel like I less, I know less <laughs> about anything that's going on in the world anymore to, for me to try to, to put anything down like that.
0: But so really quickly, uh, Jeff, I, I've got a, have got ai want to bring something in on that point. So I had a, a coach in high school who used to tell me uh, freshman Think they know everything. Sophomores know they know everything. Juniors aren't sure if they know everything, and seniors know they don't know anything. And and the the older I get, to the more I feel like God, I don't know anything, <laughs> anything. I feel so stupid most of, most of the time. So yeah. yeah so
1: and 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 anyone that I interact with or deal with, like I I, I put that out there. Like I might ask questions. Uh, I am. Really a hundred percent like into learning about everyone's cultures and and learning, and I think at, when I was younger, probably not like when I first you know was in schools and we started getting people from like overseas coming into schools, probably wasn't nearly as open to it, but um the like the other night I had dinner. Uh, one of my neighbors is south african and we were over their house having dinner and we had like a traditional south african dish um and she was very worried that we weren't going to like it And i'm just like well look at me one i'm way overweight i eat anything but <laughs> two, it's like i i am way into like um learning about other people's cultures and and growing it and i might be you know not everybody's into that and i, I am totally sure that that is what's happening but um i feel that it's Uh, you know, I I couldn't only imagine if someone like wasn't very like accepting and all that. And, um, and, and I, I definitely know I, I was in the past. And I think, as I said, as I get older, I definitely feel like I'm not the, uh, uh, I, I don't even know and I can learn from everybody and I try to learn from everybody, whether you're 22 or whether you're 65, right? It's, I think it's, there's ways that we can all be open-minded and, and learn from each other. And, um, you know, we're, we're all the same. We're all trying to get through in this world. And, and I really feel this world in general needs more unity. And one thing I have been noticing with the, you know, going back to the coronavirus is, I see people posting online, like, "Hey, if anyone needs anything, I'll go out to the stores and hunt stuff for you." Like, if you're sick and you need help, like, I feel like sometimes you know things like this bring people together. And and, and in the diversity world, I think you know, I think we mentioned like things may be getting a little better, but I think it's because it's it's being brought up before. Right. And we have channels now to bring things up. So if I do anything that is that way and someone calls me out, like I actually thank them, like, <laughs> thanks for calling me out. And I did not realize that I was doing this and and maybe some people aren't as open and probably people aren't as open to that, but uh, like to solve the issue of like, how do we get more people of leadership to be in like more diverse leaderships that that's like, same reason I don't want to be president. I don't have any answers to it. Like, I, I don't think it's something, anything I do to, to hold it back. Um, I'm not even at a person in leadership. So I don't like, I, I, if I knew how to get myself there, I could help other people. But at the same time, I feel it's very, uh, it, it is a touch subject. But as long as we're talking and open about it and civil with people, um, I think, you know, we can all work together as a team to, to get to where we need to be. With that said, um one thing, Luke, that we like to ask all our uh, you know guests on the show, if you were starting SEO today, what kind of advice would you give to
2: that SEO that was just starting off um, I think i've I' actually answered that on Twitter before um but I think um for me, it would be to find find your space on the web, um, make it your own space, kind of test anything um, that you find or pick up from anywhere um, that you get it and see what works, see what doesn't. And once you get that kind of experience from it, take it a bit further. Um, If you do find any jobs um, within the industry, then you can kind of use that experience that you have but at the same time maintain that space that you found on the web because there's a lot of competition in terms of SEO and what to do, what not to do, best practice, whether to follow it or not. And I feel like if you can make that space your own and understand how the web works, um, that'll stand you in good stead. And you'd never have to worry about any trends that may or may not come through or, the year that voice search finally becomes a thing (laughs) they keep saying every year that it's going to be this year um yeah just find find your space and your identity on the web always test things before you kind of use them on a large scale and yeah just enjoy being there
1: that's great where can people find you i think i saw on twitter that you're going off of twitter
2: Yeah, just temporarily because of the coronavirus thing. It's just getting a bit much. But um, yeah, on on Twitter, you can find me at Luke Davis SEO. Um, My website is lukealexdavis.co.uk if you want to go there. Um, Yeah, and you can send me a message. I'll probably respond. And yeah, that's where you mainly find me. That's awesome.
0: Well, Luke, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I know that uh, coronavirus and everything kind of going on in, in the world kind of took precedent in uh, this episode over kind of the more traditional let's talk, the nuts and bolts of SEO. But we really appreciate um, your willingness to come on and your willingness to be kind of candid and, um, and open about uh, d- uh, diversity as well. Um, it's another good episode.
2: Yeah, Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the page two podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page two podcast.fm. That's page, the number two podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, breaker, Deezer, overcast, pocket cast, stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel, If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.